Welcome everybody to Beat the Shift Baseball. This is episode 24 for Monday, April 2nd. I'm Alex Uwe, and I'm here today with Alex Rudy. How you doing, man? Very well. Go Blue. Decide for tomorrow night. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, you're on... Yeah, is that entire school just buzzing there? Like, I, that's the only way I can imagine it, is, is the excitement of having a team in the uh, in the college championship game. There's no doubt that last night when uh, we were all partying in the middle of the street together after winning the game, was that's going to be like my iconic college moment for the rest of my life. Like when I think back on what college was and like, yeah, truly crazy. I don't care what I lose tomorrow. Getting to experience your team, be an underdog. It's obviously not a little uh, Chicago underdog, but still somewhat of an underdog go all the way to the NCAA Finals is a once-in-a-lifetime experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what sports is all about is just that kind of that yeah. kind of ride, that kind of enjoyment. Let's get to baseball, sorry for the <laughs> No, no, tangent. no. I, I want to hear about this. This is something that you'll probably you know, not talk about while it's fresh and uh, other, than, other than here. So this is where you get to vent all your all your excitement into and you get to channel it into something something good um yeah i'll be rooting for villanova though unfortunately my that's fair yeah so i will be rooting against your team my dad's a villanova alum so i gotta do it um can't fault you there yeah so as one championship is gonna wrap up tomorrow baseball is underway we are finally back in the swing of things this episode will probably just be um, you know, bantering about a few things that happened over the weekend, because a lot of things happened. Opening weekend, sensory overload for us, and it's hard to uh, to pare that down. We'll do other segments and interviews, hopefully, uh, throughout the season, but for now, for this episode, we'll be just talking about what happened, just casual, you know, having a good time, disagreeing with some stuff, and yeah, so this is by the way, going to be our schedule for the regular season. Every Monday, we will be podcasting, releasing a new podcast, so uh, make sure you subscribe to get new podcasts every week, and there will be fantasy podcasts later in the week on Friday. So, yeah, let's get to it now. Why don't we start with the very first pitch of the season, where Ian Happ decided to start things off with a bang and took Jose Urania deep on the very first pitch of the year. So that sets that sets the tone. That sets the pace for uh, the way baseball is trending in terms of home runs and overall excitement. <laughs> I mean, it's it's probably the most appropriate thing that could have happened. Yeah, there's no doubt. I know that one. Uh, that one reporter said he was going to jump in the Chicago River if uh, that pitch led to the first pitch was a home run. Um, right, and he did. didn't happen. No, it did. He did. There was, there was, yeah, and, the guy posted a video. Yeah, and uh, I love it. I mean, <laughs> I think you're right. It really is. I don't know why that guy made that bet because it seemed just too perfect to happen, but. I mean, it's, uh, it's, you can't, it's, it's still hard to assume that the first batter of the season is going to to like bet in the first place. Like, why would you bet against that? Because like, you're well, hyped for Ian baseball. Has- yeah, that's Hap why. Gonna, uh, I mean, that's it's true. That's true. That's true. Um, <laughs> it was a sp- yeah. I don't, I, I don't know. The, the moment thing. 
Aruna is, I'm sure he'll be one of many Marlin new faces that I'll get to know throughout this season and then forget. Well, he's actually one of the the Marlins that played last year. He was... Exactly. <laughs> one of the new faces that is one of the, the veterans on that on that staff. Yeah, he, he pitched last year and won 14 games for them. So not necessarily a new face for them. But in the spirit of not knowing any Marlins... We figured it would be a fun idea for uh, Rudy's going to quiz me and see how many Marlins that I can name off the top of my head. Uh, I not looked at any you know, lists or rosters um, recently, so we'll see just on my, my vast baseball knowledge alone how many I can name, and Rudy's going to check mark these for me. He, we were both going to do this, but he, uh, he opened up the... the the roster on his computer right when we were talking about it and ruined it for us so now i get to do this by myself but it's it on the royals though oh are we actually are we gonna do that okay i can we don't have to i don't know we'll we see. can i mean let's we'll see how this goes yeah so we were also we were gonna do it with another team like the tigers maybe and then immediately at, at that point rudy was looking at a, a tigers roster so you gotta gets the best of me you gotta control yourself dude all right um, so how do, should I just just start naming players and count? Maybe you count yeah, off. Do it. You count off for me. All right. Let's start with um. What well, I, I know the starter from from today's game that Sunday, Dylan Peters. That's that's a a random one right off the bat. There's Starling Castro. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's J T Real Muto who's hurt, so I don't know if you'll count that one. That counts. Okay, count that one. Um, I think Miguel Rojas is their shortstop. Is that yes. right? Okay. And then their third baseman, Brian Anderson, I think is his name? Yes. And Justin Bohr at first. Yes. Uh, Lewis Brinson. Yes. Center fielder. They have Cameron Mabin. Yes. They have oh other outfielders on that team. Jeez. Um, I'd be hard-pressed to tell you. That's a hard one. Um, <laughs> yes. So, yes, <laughs> that that counts. Um, I think he started tonight. Like, I'm hard-pressed hard, hard to tell you. Pressed and hard-pressed. Um, that'd be a cool name. Uh, Jose Reina, like I mentioned already. Yes. There is... Who else even started this weekend? I'm, I can't even remember. Um, Kyle Baraclaw, because he has a cool name. Yes. Now him. Um, Brad Ziegler, the closer. Yes. There's... Oh man, I don't know how. Give start a thirty second timer, from from this point, and then that's that's when you have to stop me. Um, okay. Thinking, um, although I might not even have any more to go with here. Uh, God. There's a couple easy ones left. There's a couple honestly, easy ones say. left. Okay. I'd say. Like I, I mean, part of it's just me blanking on the spot as well. There's at least three um, guys that I know for sure. Is Adam you know. Conley in the rotation? All right, there we go. Okay, um, that was not even one of the guys I was thinking of, but yeah. I'm just thinking of like pitchers now, when whenever I can. Um, oh, Edison Volquez and uh, Wei Chen. I don't. No, think Volquez Edison is free. Wei and Chen is though. Wei and Chen is there, yeah. Um. Oh God! I think I think my time's up. <laughs> what is what is my final tally? Thirteen, I believe. Thirteen out of out of like the twenty-five man roster. That's not so bad. 
What what were some of the other obvious ones that I missed? Um, Dan Straley. I thought oh, get, Straley, yeah. That was, um, that was I thought you'd get Martin Prado. Martin Prado, yeah, he's injured too. That's why I didn't think of um, that. Those were really the two I was thinking of. I mean, maybe okay. Chichi Tazawa. No, no way. <laughs> uh, I remember it. Maybe it's just because his name. Is I didn't remember he was in the Marlins. All right. Well, uh, I did. I did. No, I didn't remember he was in the Marlins either. I just. I batted over five hundred there, so uh, I'll take that as a win. Yeah, there's no one else. I'd say you should have known. <laughs> do you want to? Do you want to try this with the Royals or? Uh, I can you... tell you right now that except for Mustakis. Well, and if, if you want to do it, you Salvador can. Perez. And all right, wait, wait, stop, stop. I'm gonna, right, we're, we're gonna do this for real. We're gonna do this for real. I'm gonna set, I'm gonna set like a really short timer though for it. I'm gonna set like a two minute timer. I'd, I'd be, I'd be hard. Or one minute. Here. I'm gonna set a one minute timer. How about that? All let's right. see if I can get 10. Okay, let's, let's go. All right, Mustakis, Perez, Duffy, um, is, uh, uh, or, Orlando, Paulo Orlando still on that team? Um, Yes, so that's four. What's his name? The guy's brother who played for the Marlins. Whatever. What? I don't know how had a really long career. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, is, yeah. No, I'm terrible at this. Wait, so so far you have Moustakis, Perez. <laughs> who is the other one you had? And I had Duffy, Duffy, had... and Paulo Orlando. Dude, there's more Royals that are that played. Uh, like... <laughs> you're sure, you're already sure. almost. You already have like only a few seconds left. I'll give you. I'll give you a little bit more, like a few extra seconds here. But seriously, dude, <laughs> this is mm. you. You got. Oh, wait, Wait, okay, that's five. Uh. Yeah, no, it's it's probably it. Really? That's it? Oh man. Okay. Um well you okay, so, so you got five out of twenty five players <laughs> on the roster for a team that shouldn't have been as difficult as the Marlins even. So um a few of the most obvious ones that come to mind are Alcides Escobar and Alex Gordon, who are on the I World Series team. They're still there. They're both there. Oh. And Escobar was was a free agent. They also have Jorge, they also have Jorge Soler and John Jay in their outfield. Those are names that a lot of people know. They have Lucas Duda who signed this off season, so that's another well known guy. Um, and they also have Ian Kennedy, one of their starters. Kelvin Herrera is their closer. He was around for a while. Jason Hamill is still around from from that time. Um, and Jacob Junis is good. Brandon Robert. Brandon Moore, Mauer, Mauer the 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 podcast. Ryan Goins. Ro- yes, you, you are you looking at it now? Carnes. <laughs> I honestly didn't know most of these guys were on the team. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, but still, the like... <laughs> only the only guys I would say I honestly, Justin Green I even know because he looks like our old high school baseball coach. But I'm just, I'm uh, amazed that Paolo Orlando is one of the names <laughs> that you got in that list. That says it all, doesn't it? All right. So that's that's pretty fun. There's a lot of really cool stuff that happened over the weekend other than us not knowing what is going on. So we can talk about, even with that series, we didn't even talk about the, the Cubs and Marlins series at all. We just said Ian Happ 
hit a homer, and then the Marlins have nobody on their team. But the Marlins won two games in the the opening set, including a seventeen game or seventeen inning walk off win against the Cubs uh, in the second game of the season. So you know that's pretty cool. That's something to to get Marlins fans excited about. Um, I think it just says more about how bad the Cubs were this weekend than you know how good the Marlins were. Because you know they didn't have a great performance from you, Darvish or um, Jose Quintana either. So you know there's some concerns for the Cubs for sure. Uh, anything really concerning about the Cubs, or is it just yeah, shake it off? Opening weekend doesn't matter. Darvish, I would say, I found very concerning, even though it was one start. Not, okay. I I think he's not as good as people think he mm-hmm. still is, and it's sh- it's showing yeah. so far though. He who really knows what one start means. He's a guy who it would have been really nice to see a bounce back, considering how his season ended last year. So, yeah. yeah. Let's move on to the Yankees. Of course, we're going to talk about the Yankees. How can we not? John Carlos Stanton came out with a bang, hit two homers in his Yankee debut. That was a fun time, for sure. Um, he hit home runs following Aaron Judge strikeouts both times uh, in that first game, so... You know, he's he's picking up the slack whenever Aaron Judge cannot do so. Aaron Judge hasn't homered yet, actually, um, this year, but I'm sure we won't be waiting too much longer on that. Um, so, yeah, the Yankees obviously are, are beast mode. Even though they've kind of been beat up this weekend, Aaron Hicks is on the DL, and they called up Billy McKinney. He went to the DL immediately after, like one day after he ran into the wall in left field. So Miguel Andujar, that was nasty. It yeah, was... it was not good. But Miguel Andujar is up with the club now, and he figures to work in at third base quite a bit. Brandon Drury will probably play a little bit of a utility role, go all over the place, and probably play some outfield too because there's no other outfielders on the roster other than you know the three starters at this point. So um, that's cool. Andujar probably called up a little earlier than the Yankees hoped they'd have to. And there was a few other really wacky things that happened. And that's, that's a nice way of saying it um, during this Blue Jays-Yankees series, um, including what happened with Kevin Pillard. You want to you wanna rant about that one a little bit? If You, you watched that one, right? What, what happened? I didn't watch it live, but I saw it. Okay, yeah. Obviously, that's, that's unacceptable for, for me. I don't want to talk about it. You can talk about you, it. You're still I, bitter? You brought it up. You talk about it. Well, you don't... Okay. It's, I figured you'd have have a lot to get on off your chest I mean, about you how upset you are with the Jays. three bases on you, especially home, Baton says, like, what are you doing, man? <laughs> it's not It's not even just that. It's... You know, it's you the, know that reaction? The way it had, happened, too. You know that reaction he had in the Homer Derby to Judge hitting that monster bomb? Yeah. This is the exact opposite of that. The exact opposite. Yeah. That's how I feel about him right now. Right. And he pitched like shit also. Like, it's if he just did that and pitched <laughs> good, I would be like, all right, fine, it happens. That guy really needs to rebuild any trust of being an elite pitcher again because yeah. it does not seem like meant. I mean, I. You just let a guy play with you like that. It's just unacceptable at the major league level. That's like, mm-hmm. that's just the equivalent of like a just a disgusting crossover. That's just embarrassing, or dunking all over a guy's face and knock him to the ground. That poster, or dribbling 
past someone so fucking. Yeah, <laughs> I guess that they just that they tear all their. I think that's all their ankles more I think that's than they're the chewing. Same, I think that's the same as a nasty crossover, just a little more just, graphically just, described. Just, it's disrespectful, honestly. Yeah, and you know, there's very few instances when you look at a major league game and say that guy needs to be pulled immediately after something like that happens. Like it's the major leagues; managers should not have to go off on players, but he deserved, you know, a, a serious talking to after that one he he spiked the ball um to gary sanchez also when pilar took off for home he, he didn't execute it at all like that cannot happen so yeah serious changes need to be made with that um yeah aaron boone though you know he's getting a little flack but really the bullpen is to blame you know is there is what did there aaron boone do it's just i mean it's just easy to point at the manager when when the bullpen doesn't doesn't do well. At least give me like a reason though, like that people are criticizing him for. I don't have a reason. To no, criticize. like what? What are people saying? I, people like, were upset about Severino in the first day, pulled at ninety pitches, which is fine for opening day because you know, some pitchers are still building up pitch counts depending on how their spring has been going. So he Severino was dealing in the first game and he got pulled um, in the sixth inning before finishing six innings. I think you can pitches. only make that argument if they lose the game because of that decision. I don't think you can ever criticize right. the well, do you want to, early when you still win the game. Do you want to get to that one now? Because that would yeah. be a fun one yeah. to talk about. So Gabe Kapler, obviously the, the new manager for the Phillies, is receiving lots and lots of scrutiny, not just for for the reason that we described. He did pull Aaron Nola after 68 pitches in his first start, in this, also in the sixth inning, I think, um, when Nola was in cruise control. And the Phillies ended up losing that game in extra innings on a Nick Markakis walk-off home run. So, you know, there's there's reason to be concerned with the way Kapler has been going about managing this team so far. And not really just with that game, but over the course of the weekend, he used an insane amount of pitchers. Let me see if I can find the exact number, um, actually. But, you know, he, he... It was like 20, I think. Yeah, he, he went to the pen very very quickly in in every every scenario and the phillies don't have a great bullpen like that is it's not the kind of team the the kind of roster that you can really play around with in that way um he's also you know receiving flack for bringing in um this is a person's name before anybody gets confused hobie milner uh, to come in in relief he brought him into the game without giving him time to warm up in the pen, or basically no time to warm up in the pen. So he's out there warming up on on the mound, ready to go, but he's trying to warm up a little bit extra. The Braves manager is very upset by this because you're not allowed to do that, but the umpire was you know, in a tough spot because you can't just let the pitcher you know, throw and risk injury without warming up. So he ended up you know, ejecting the the Braves manager because things were getting heated. But really, that's that was Kapler's problem there. You know, being irresponsible in that way. And the Phillies have already had to go turn to the position player uh, depth in their their bullpen. Just in a blowout game, they had to bring in Pedro Florimone. So yeah, there's obviously some some problems with the Phillies bullpen, but. People like to talk about Kapler more because that's a more fun narrative to discuss. Do you have any thoughts on what Kapler's been doing? Do you think that's sustainable? Do you think he's going to make changes 
as a result of this? Maybe people are overacting a little bit, but like he just used the most pitchers to start a season in MLB history. It's a very bold way to start your career as a manager. I mean, it's like I don't know. Like maybe he just has the yips, but as a manager, I mean, I think people are over like like. It's just not a thing for someone to be that incompetent, just, like, who gets hired to coach. Like, Gabe Kapler's been – he played in the MLB. Like, he's coached before at a lower level and as assistant. Like, I, 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 I'm I not reading too much into it. Like, he's just screwing up, I guess, a little bit to start the season. I mean, I don't think it's so – it's not like they – I mean, they won a game still. So, I mean, yeah. I, I don't know. Like, do you think it's really that – I mean, I don't think he's doing. I think I think the the Ho, the Hobie thing is definitely embarrassing, but that's the. I don't think necessarily using so many pitchers is so inherently idiotic to start the season. I wouldn't suggest it, but it's not the worst thing in the world. The Aaron Noah thing was dumb, probably, but I w- I don't know what was going on in the game. Maybe there, he had some rationale. I'm sure he's not a moron. I'm sure there was some reason that he did it. Right, well, he's, um, he's a very hardcore stats guy, and that's, you yeah. know, that was his role with the Dodgers. He came over, and he, you know, that was part of the deal, that he's going to be very methodical in how he deals with, you know, the data that he's given and how he translates that to the field. Oh, he did not start Odubel Herrera in center field in, on opening day just because he liked the matchup um, with Altair and Nick Williams in the outfield a little bit more. So, you know, that's that's a pretty different thing to not have your you know one of your starting players in there on opening day of all days um just because there was a slight matchup advantage that he determined that there was so i'm going to be curious to see if kapler is going to be stirring the pot a little bit more you know doubling down so to speak on on what's been going on um let's go ahead and we waited too long to talk about this but shohi otani is the man he is here and he showed it with his first start of the season uh, which was sunday he showed he did he showed he showed us what he's made of and he threw a quality start that's that's essentially what happened he was really dominant down you know down the stretch in in his start he retired 14 of the last 15 batters he faced really the only mistake was a hanging slider to matt chapman who took him yard so, other than that, he was dominant. Six strikeouts to just one walk. His fastball, his fastball velocity was way up from spring training. It seemed he was touching ninety nine and a hundred regularly. I believe I saw somewhere that he he averaged a higher fastball velocity than Noah Syndergaard did in his first major league start. So, wow. If if you want to put that into a little bit of perspective, that's pretty impressive. Uh, the splitter was working. He he just he looked comfortable up there, which was probably the most important thing you can ask from a guy like that. Um, he definitely settled in, you know, after the first couple innings there. So I don't know. Did you get a chance to watch any of Otani on the mound today? Or uh, I saw like some nasty breaking ball that he threw to strike someone out. Yeah, that was it. I I saw his hit too opening day, which was. Pretty yeah. poor, honestly, but still, at least, I mean, 
well, I, I, I think the takeaway is pretty obvious, honestly, is that once he, like is people are just so reactionary. It's really different than the conversation mm-hmm. we just had, and people are freaking out, freaking out about how poor spring training is. Which, I mean, come on, like you, everyone should know better. If who who puts any value in spring training stats? I mean, that's just uh, how many times do we have to do that every single year? I mean, I, I don't think the A's is like the hardest team to start out to throw against. Mm-hmm. But their offense isn't doesn't have nobodies, and he retired fourteen of his last fifteen batters. That's unbelievably impressive. I maybe he won't be exactly what you know he was hyped up to be, but the guy clearly has the poise and the confidence and the the feel for the game that mm-hmm. you would hope for. I think, and that's the most important thing. I don't even think it's the stats at this point. It's really you want to see that he has the mental fortitude. Yeah, and he could, and like I obviously he would because he was a star in Japan. I mean, I think you'd be surprised. Right. He's twenty three. Like he's not young, but still, that like, is young. That is, I mean, that like, is young. But I think still, people, I, regardless of his previous success, there are a lot of guys in general who can't deal with this kind of pressure, and he clearly mm-hmm. does not mind it at all, and he's feeding off it if anything. Yeah, no, I think part of it is. Because people see that he's so young, he he is a prospect still, really, at the major league level, and people are kind of talking about, oh, he needs more seasoning. He he's not ready to face major league hitters and major league pitching. Like I don't know how mature he is. This dude played four years of professional baseball in Japan. You know, essentially, he's just like, you know, and and like Masahiro Tanaka or Jose Abreu, like Jose Abreu, these rookies that are are almost non rookies because they've played professional baseball at a very high competitive level in front of you know and especially in the npb in front of really big crowds in important situations this is not his first rodeo in in that regard so um not surprised at all that he looks like a professional out there he is he has been for years so there you go we're looking forward to his next start i think it hasn't been announced, but he's probably going to start next weekend. Um, I can't imagine it would be earlier than that. But next weekend, the Angels are playing the Athletics again at home. So I guess we'll probably see round two of that one. That's a little anticlimactic, but um, maybe he can do better a second time through. Or worse, we'll see. Looking um, forward to it. In other beloved Japanese player news, Ichiro is back at it with the Mariners. It's so great to see. Make sure you you go out and buy your Ichiro Mariners jersey again while you have a chance, just in case you missed out on the first time around when he was he was there in Seattle. Um, he's he's back and he's you know he's getting some playing time. He's um, yeah. Why don't you go ahead and, and talk about the uh, the fun weekend he's had so far? I mean, he robbed the home run, which that, the guy's forty-four years old. He's robbing home runs. I mean, let's get it, Ichiro. That's that's yeah, that's something. And in left field uh, too, different different yeah, territory for him. Exactly, and uh, you know he got a base hit, which gives him three thousand eighty-two, twenty-second all time. Um, I love it. I mean, if you haven't read this article that ESPN put out uh, about him. And his off-season training, and what this guy does, and what baseball means to him, please do because you'll appreciate not just him but the sport 
in such a different way. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. He, it's almost tragic, honestly, how much he loves baseball, and how much it's it's his whole life. He actually had two hits. I'm sorry, um, on the 31st. Uh, uh, you know, I love the. I don't know how you can't love that guy. Petro mm-hmm. just is baseball, and I think just to end my rant and rambling on before I cry, he's really <laughs> like the last hero of my childhood that still plays. I'd say him and Dirk are probably the last athletic heroes. I never like I was a Brady guy growing up, so like those two were really <laughs> the last two guys. Uh, really left. I guess Eli Manning. That's that's a bit on the stretch. But that, that's a know, bit of a stretch. <laughs> he chose the last baseball hero. I guess so I'm trying to save my life. And you know he's in backyard baseball 2003. That was my. That was the game that made me you know like truly love baseball. And I'll never forget him as an athlete. I think it's. I just hope he plays forever. I hope mm-hmm. he never dies. So he's fifty. That's that's his word. I'm holding him to that. So that's what I want to see. Um, so he will still get a lot of playing time in Seattle. Uh, especially, I think Nelson Cruz is dealing with a an ankle injury. Um, even though he hit two homers in his first two games this season, he uh, had to leave one of those games with an ankle injury. So Ichiro, it looks like he's going to be getting plenty more at bats here in the early going. All right, let's. Who who else did amazing things over the weekend? I think Joe Panic had himself a very fun weekend against the Dodgers. In the first two games of the series, both games were decided by Joe Panic's solo home runs, and that was it. One zero games in each of the first two games. Uh, the Dodgers got shut out for the first two games in the season. I don't think anybody would have guessed that, and I believe the the Dodgers went ahead and came right back and shut out the Giants a couple times in a row. I don't think the Giants scored yesterday, did they? Or on Saturday. I so. So every one of these it's a weird games in this series was a shutout on either side. But um, yeah, Joe Panic really impressed. He hit a home run off of Clayton Kershaw in, game, in opening day on game one. And then in the next game, he hit a home run off of Kenley Jansen in the ninth inning. So... He already ticked off the best hitter and or not the best hitter. What am I saying? The best pitch, best starting pitcher, and the best reliever in baseball in the first two games. So I I don't know. Maybe Joe Panic will only perform in situations where you know one would expect him to panic. I that's maybe that's the the formula right there. Um. So was there was there anything else from did you watch any of that series? I'm, I'm basically just going through. I don't I don't know how much baseball you watched compared to me. I probably watched more um, than you, if I'm being honest. But um, did you see any anything else from that series that you you found enjoyable or noteworthy? I honestly didn't watch a ton of live baseball, but I did think it's fascinating. This is not the series itself, but still the two teams. At the Dodgers are apparently giving. They're charging more for Giants fans this season, hmm. which I don't know how. How, can you, how do you uh, determine that? You know what? I'm wrong. I think it, was, it might have been the A's, but still, I'm sorry if that's the case. But I know for Oh, fact yes, I did see that. Teams. I did see that. I, so I'm sorry. I thought it was the Dodgers when I was remembering. But I don't know how you enforce that. So I'm very curious to see if that. I'm sorry that didn't end up actually having to do with this series. <laughs> I got the, the, But it's still the Giants. 
And I'm very that's my that's my takeaway from the series because it's opening weekend, and I don't like making any hot takes about any particular situation. You so my hot you take don't like is, hot takes. I like to keep my takes ice cold. So all right, I'm very curious to see how the ticketing saga plays out. <laughs> the ticketing saga. <laughs> you, just give, you just give this really minor story a really epic that's name. <laughs> that's what I'm watching. That's what I'm watching. <laughs> all right then. Um, yeah, so we're, we're still just kind of kicking around, look, trying to go through whatever else. Kenta made it through great. I will add that. Yeah, he was really good. Um, I guess they kept the right Japanese pitcher in the offseason. So, I guess we'll go ahead and talk about something that we touched on last time we podcasted, and that's the, the Astros' new four-outfielder shift that they employed against Joey Gallo, of course, of Texas. Who else would you use a four-outfielder shift against? And it produced a, it results. It, it got Joey Gallo popped up to left fielder slash third baseman Alex Bregman in the first at bat that they used that shift against him. And in today's game, again with the four outfielder shift, hit a home run over it. So he beat the shift in the most fun way that you can by hitting it out. And that was also one of the only two balls that any Texas Ranger touched against Garrett Cole today, but that's, you know, a, a different story right there. Uh, Houston did win three of four games against the Rangers to start the year off, so they're starting off hot right where they left off. Um, and, yeah, of course, their new addition, Garrett Cole, looked fantastic, struck out 11 batters through seven innings. Um, but I would kind of like to talk about Joey Gallo for just a moment and talk about the shift in particular, and you know, to honor the the name of our of our podcast, we we have to talk about the shift a little bit and how to beat it. So Joey Gallo showed us one way, and that's to hit the ball over the fence. But a lot of people are really upset that Gallo is not bunting with not not a shifted infield. Even they have removed an infielder. They have given him the entire um, left side of the field, and they still have. Uh, Carlos Correa at shortstop playing basically straight up the middle. So really, that whole side of the field is abandoned. And everybody's first reaction, you know, the, the traditional baseball, um, you know, fans out there are saying, oh, you, how, how are you not bunting? Like, that's a free base every single time. That could even be a double with, with that alignment. Like, how do you not take advantage of that? Um, I just, at first, I kind of want to hear where you stand on the whole... Uh, beating the shift via the bunt strategy. Um, I, I, I mean, like, I think he should consider practicing it if he's if it really becomes a commonly done thing and not just uh, an occasional gag. But in all honesty, like, I don't think it's worth changing your approach that severely if you're talking Joey Gallagher, but I highly doubt his like practice bunting. And God knows how many years at a serious level for a base hit, if ever. Mm-hmm. And I just, I, I, I mean, you can tell me if I'm wrong, but I feel like the level of major league pitching that it is, I don't know how many guys that aren't named like Joey Votto can just kind of bunt for a base hit out of practice to beat a shift. I don't know if Joey Gallo is that talented. If he is, if he can just whip that out, he should be doing it 100 yeah. percent because it is a guaranteed. But I don't, I don't know. So I don't know if he can do it. If he can't. Like I, you'd have to see if 
he has the ability. But if he has that ability, there's no excuse that he's not doing that every time. Because yeah. it's absurd that someone can play that shift on him, and so, he's not going to just punt. So here's the the opinion that I have about it, and it kind of goes along the same lines of what you said, that bunting is not an easy thing to do, you know, even though they're major league players, it's something they have to practice a lot. But the thing, too, with bunting in particular is you're not really beating the shift that effectively because if you mess up even slightly the pitcher or the catcher will get you out there's a lot of risk involved yeah, with bunting really even then. but i think something that hitters should be doing more is changing their approach because joey gallo can really it doesn't even have to be a ground ball if he's just trying to hit a ball to the opposite field where nobody is on the field at all and this is not like a small hole in in the field this is half the field that's being given to him if he just you know even if he gets jammed even if he doesn't hit it hard and hits it to the opposite field that ball will fall and possibly be a double if it you know if he hits a ground ball to to left field you know there's there's so many other ways to to make the other team pay bless you there's so many other ways to make the other team pay for shifting against you in that way and as a major league hitter I do think it's very doable to, you know, it, at least put and put the ball in a certain half of the field that you're that you're thinking about, you know. So, and it's not something you do every time either. It's just something to combat that, you know. If you want to get on base, if they are okay with you just walking over to first base every time, after, you know, after beating the shift in that way, then fine, go ahead. But yeah, bunting is pretty difficult there's a lot of margin for error there um even if the third baseman is not there so um we will see how the the shift continues to evolve as a reminder to listen to the beat to shift read our articles follow us on instagram social media facebook beat the shift beat the shift joey y'all beat the shift i know you can (laughs) all right that i i did not see that one coming i'm gonna be honest that was um, an obvious plug. Are you serious? Were you not thinking of that the whole time? No, I, I mentioned that at the beginning that, you know, obviously our, we're beat the shift and he needs to beat the shift, but you, tie it together. you, you went ahead and, and plugged all our, our social media and stuff. I like it. I go all in. Um, yeah, really. And <laughs> what were we, ta- we were talking about the shift, of course. Um, yeah, I saw today that also in Jose Barrios's complete game shutout, which was the first of his career against the Orioles. In the ninth inning, Chance Sisko, the catcher for the Orioles, laid down a bunt against the shift and got on base with it, of course, because they had abandoned third base. And that's how a the ninth inning started, and they managed to load the bases, and Barrios still managed to get out of it, but that was you know, how the inning started off. Brian Dozier seemed to be upset with that decision. He called it, you know, essentially a Bush League move to, to bunt in the ninth inning when you're down by, well, I think you're down by seven runs and getting shut out. But I do not agree with him because when you decide that you have to shift against a player in the ninth inning when you're up by seven runs, that player has an equal, you know, a, a, a respons- not a responsibility, but, you know, leeway to to take advantage of that. You know, that's that's just as much of a, of a you know a bush move as, as any in shifting late in the game. I, I wonder if that's ever been a thing that's popped up before. You know the uh, 
the unwritten rules of shifting in baseball. What do you think is worse? Which bunting or shifting? You mean? Yeah. I I think I I honestly never thought about shifting being a a questionable tactic in terms of um, you know essentially showing up or you know I I don't even know what the the origin of the disrespect of bunting when down by a lot or stealing a base when down by a lot started. I mean, I, I think, honestly... I think it started with pettiness. Yeah, I mean, it's petty, but also it, it must just be because at that point, everybody knows the result of the game. They just want to get it done. And, you know, they're throwing a wrench into things by by, by doing this in some way. And, it, you know, I, I don't know, but there's certainly no reason to shift either. I just never lumped those things together. Um, something I'd never thought about before. So, also, I, something else that I wanted to mention, you know, I'm just kind of throwing out other noteworthy performances from this weekend. Kyle Gibson threw a... He was throwing a no-hitter through six innings uh, before he was removed from the game, and the no-hitter was broken up later by the bullpen, but he had a really good game. He threw six no-hit innings, like I said, and struck out six, but he also walked five batters, which is... a Pretty unusual thing, I would say. Um, we'll call it whack. Whack is a good word for it. Um, it kind of reminds me of Edwin Jackson's no-hitter from like eight years ago when he walked, I think, eight batters in a no-hitter. Um, so that was, it kind of reminded me of that. But the interesting thing is the very next day, the Pirates' Trevor Williams, who was starting for them, if you don't know who that is, then you probably never will. Who's um, that? But now you do. Um, I'm serious. Like, who is he's, that? He's the guy who threw six no-hit innings also against the Tigers and, get this, walked five batters. So I don't know if that's ever happened before. We're in back-to-back days. There were starters that threw six no-hit innings and walked five. So it wasn't a very, you know, clean game for either of them. I, I guess there were base runners. It was a little bit messy. But you're not giving up any hits. It's a solid performance, right? You know, there there must be a certain point where um, this becomes the more desirable option, even though pitching coaches and baseball fans hate walks. They're the kiss of death for pitchers, but uh, both of them seem to be fine with walking as many batters as they needed to to not um, give up hard-hit balls. So, yeah, uh, uh, I'll, I'll just keep throwing out more, more fun perform- performances here. And you can chime in Keep if you coming. have anything. Yeah. So there was a couple five-hit games in the first three days of the year. Adam Eaton had one where he did so with a lot of pop. He had two doubles and a homer in the mix there. And he's not looked like he's missed a step in that whole year that he missed um, with that torn ACL that he dealt with last year. So that's always a good sign to see him back and healthy. Um, and Christian Yelich also had a five-hit game with his new team in... Um, against the Padres in San Diego. So um, both him and Lorenzo Cain look really good for the Brewers. Um, thoughts on them or Adam Eaton or anybody? You can... um, <laughs> I'm just trying to think of something unique to say, except for they did really well or it's opening day weekend. So I will say that I did not expect Adam Eaton to come back so well necessarily from uh, tearing his ACL that's obviously early we'll see how the speed comes back 
And uh, I own Lorenzo Cain Fantasy, so I'm glad that he's going. <laughs> yeah, th- I guess that's a uh, very, you know, just directly biased opinion about it. So that's it's always a good thing. Um, yeah, so there was there's a lot that was happening. There's so many more things that I could talk about too, but I, I think this is about a good place to wrap things up for our podcast today so yeah we have a lot more baseball to watch as we get back into the groove and of course we got to watch the ncaa championship game tomorrow so good luck to your team but more luck to villanova hopefully um that's that's why i'm leaving that one and that's very sportsmanlike it i guess it is is can you know offering luck to both sides considered sportsmanlike even though i want one side definitively to win i don't know so Mm. all right um yeah so that is going to be all for our podcast today uh rudy already kind of did a good job plugging stuff earlier but you know in case you you missed all that you can call me the plug (laughs) we we call him the plug um you can rate and comment and subscribe to our podcast we'd really appreciate it you should check out our website, beattheshiftbaseball.com, where we have all our podcasts and articles and pretty much anything else that we do, you can find there. So it's a great place to see all that. Um, and follow our social media, you know, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at BeattheShiftBP. So you can uh, connect with us there. We, we post a lot and we'll talk to you, answer questions, give us your feedback, all that good stuff. So... Yeah, we will be back with our main show next week again uh, on Monday. I think that will be the regular schedule for us. And then also on Thursday, I think, is the target date for the weekly fantasy baseball podcast. So if you're playing fantasy baseball, tune in and get your get your fix. All right, that's all I got for today. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. As always, Rudy. Peace in love.